apply the brakes. This is the Poetry Slowdown Podcast, presented with Jordan Bigger by Dr. Barbara Mossberg. Today, I was happy, so I made this poem. James Wright. Now May cries out again, I'm here, I'm here. Alicia Ostricker, on this May day as our on-air show live today from Helsinki, the poetry slowdown celebrates the sense of happiness in the here and now, here, here, with eco-poetry, an anniversary show of poems of juice shared on this show over five years, no, six, no, seven, no, eight, by Robert Bly, Wendell Berry, Mary Oliver, Pablo Neruda, Marie Howe, T.S. Eliot, Cheslaw Millots, Hildegard of Bingen Rumi, Jane Hirschfield, Denise Levertov, Yates, Naomi Shahib Nye, Antonio Machado, Rilke, David White, William Wordsworth, Shakespeare, Gerard Manley Hopkins, Moore Whitman, Emily Dickinson, of course, Kabir, and more. We're podcast at barbarabosberg.com, slowing down and heating it up with poetry without which men die miserably every day. William Carlos Williams. Thank you for joining me and our producer, Zappa Johns, himself, live in our Central Coast studios, 10 time zone hours away but in the miracle and reality of time-space, here we are all together for this one moment, slowing down for poetry, which has always stopped and held time precious. But you can podcast this anytime it's morning in your life, like right now. You're slowing down to make it last May I have the pleasure of your company this May morning. Corinna's going amain. Get up, get up for shame, this blooming morn upon her wings presents the god unshorn. See how Aurora throws her fair, fresh quilted colors through the air. Get up, sweet slugabed. And see the dew bespangling herb and tree. Each flower has wept and bowed toward the east above an hour since. Yet you not dressed? Nay, not so much as out of bed. When all the birds have matins said and sung their thankful hymns, tis sin, nay, profanation to keep in where. A thousand virgins on this day spring sooner than the lark to fetch in May. Rise and put on your foliage and be seen to come forth like the springtime, fresh and green and sweet as flora. Take no care for jewels for your gown or hair. Fear not. The leaves will strew gems in abundance upon you. Besides, 
the childhood of the day has kept against you come some orient pearls unwept come and receive them while the light hangs on the dewlocks of the night and tighten on the eastern hill retires himself or else stand still till you come forth wash dress be brief in praying few beads are best when whence we go amaying come my corinna come and coming mark how each field turns a street each street a park made green and trimmed with trees see how devotion gives each house a bough or branch each porch each door ere this an ark a tabernacle is made up of white thorn neatly interwove as if here were those cooler shades of love can such delights be in the street and open fields and we not see it come will abroad and let's obey the proclamation made for may and sin no more as we have done by staying but my corinna come let's go amaying there's not a budding boy or girl this day but is got up and gone to bring in may a deal of youth ere this is come back and with white thorn laden home some have dispatched their cakes and cream before that we have left to dream and some have wept and wooed and plighted a troth and chose their priest ere we can cast off sloth many a green gown has been given many a kiss both odd and even many a glance too has been sent from out the eye love's firmament many a jest told of the keys betraying this night and locks picked yet we're not a main come let us go while we are in our prime and take the harmless folly of the time we shall grow old apace and die before we know our liberty our life is short and our days run as fast away as does the sun and as a vapor or a drop of rain once lost can ne'er be found again so when you or i are made a fable song or fleeting shade all love all liking all delight lies drowned with us in endless night then while time serves and we are but decaying come my Corinna, come, let's go amaying. That's Robert Herrick hundreds and hundreds of years ago, probably even before coffee. How important is it for us to go amaying and what better way to go amaying with each other and make the most of this here and now, here, here, but with poetry. So we're here for hokey pokey moments on earth in celebration and in part one today we're going to hear poems of juice and of joy that may invokes because may crops up blossoms forth in poems more than any other month we dance we circle round 
Humans cavort in May, we always have, and our thoughts turn as earth turns to lighter, earlier, longer, later, more, more, more light. Not always warmth. It's snowing today in some of our listener land and rain. So let's gather a streamer, pick up our poetic feet, and begin to dance around the May pole of poems. And here's another by Robert Herrick. The month of May was come, when every lusty heart beginneth to blossom and to bring forth fruit. For like as herbs and trees bring forth fruit and flourish in May, and likewise every lusty heart that is in any manner a lover springeth and flourish in lusty deeds, for it giveth unto all lovers courage this lusty month of May. And this was written in 1471. Robert Herrick, who lived 1591 to 1674, I sing of brooks, of blossoms, birds, and bowers, of April, May, of June, July flowers. I sing of maples, hawk carts, wassels, wakes, bridegrooms, brides, and their bridal cakes. Now May. Now May cries out again, I'm here, I'm here, until tulips roar like lions, daffodils scream like witches, robins puff their chests out, sumptuous maples shout for a wind to come over and wrestle. But as for us, we belong to the species that thinks it can change the laws. We are the ones that trample and soar and bulldoze what interferes, she wipes mud from her brow. I'm here in my beauteous majesty. But we are a little terrified, just half recalling how once we welcomed her. And that's Alicia Ostricker from the Book of Seventy. And yes, once we welcomed her, Shakespeare and Robert Herrick, and we are looking at May. We're making a juicy show. If the shoe fits, hear it. Poets are defining and practicing the juice that we can get out of our day. And we have Gerard Manley Hopkins talking about what we can do in spring. Nothing is so beautiful as spring when weeds in wheels shoot long and lovely and lush. Thrushes' eggs look little low heavens and thresh through the echoing timber does so rinse and wring the ear, it strikes like lightnings to hear him sing. The glassy pear tree leaves and blooms, they brush the descending blue. That blue is all in a rush with richness, the racing lambs to have fair their fling. What is all this juice and all this joy? A strain of the earth's wheat, 
being in the beginning in Eden Garden have get before it cloy, before it cloud, Christ, Lord, and Seller with sinning innocent mind and May Day in girl and boy, most O maid's child, thy choice and worth the winning. That's Gerard Manley Hopkins. What is all this juice and all this joy? That's what we're thinking of. Our poetry slowdown is on the case. We're looking in our pantry of poems, our garden of glorious fruits giving juice. In other words, we're slowing down for a juicy show all about having the juice. This poetry, by the way, is gluten-free. And we're talking about the happiness of poetry on a May day. The lusty month of May That lovely month when everyone goes blissfully astray May I have the pleasure of your company this May day We are at our Poetry Slowdown I'm Professor Barbara Mossberg with our producer Zappa Johns We're producing live from Helsinki We're talking about the juice of the moment We're talking about May we're talking about the happiness of poems. Gerard Manley Hopkins has gotten us going with his All This Juice and Joy, and I like this alliteration connecting the two concepts. We could add other words that go with this, jumping. So let's get down with juice and what's up with it with Pablo Neruda on lemons. A lemon. Out of lemon flowers loosed on the moonlight, love's lashed and insatiable essences sodden with fragrance, the lemon tree's yellow emerges. The lemons move down from the tree's planetarium, delicate merchandise. The harbors are big with it, bazaars for the light and the barbarous gold. We open the halves of a miracle, and a clotting of acids brims into the starry divisions, creation's original juices, irreducible, changeless, alive. So the freshness lives on in a lemon, in the sweet-smelling house of the rind. The proportions, arcane and acerb, cutting the lemon, the knife leaves a little cathedral alcoves and guessed by the eye that open acidulous glass to the light, topazes riding the droplets, altars, aromatic facades. So, while the hand cuts the half of the lemon, half a world on a trencher, the gold of the universe wells to your touch, a cup yellow with miracles, a breast and a nipple, perfuming the earth, a flashing made fruitage, the diminutive fire of a planet. Pablo Neruda, but he's not done with the juiciness of lemons. Let's hear his ode, Ode to the Lemon. From blossoms released by the moonlight, from an aroma of exasperated love, Steeped in fragrance, yellowness dropped from the lemon tree and from its planetarium, 
lemons descended to the earth. Tender yield, the coasts, the markets glowed with light, with unrefined gold. We opened two halves of a miracle. Congealed acid trickled from the hemispheres of a star, the most intense liquor of nature, unique, vivid, concentrated, born of the cool, fresh lemon of its fragrant house, its acid secret symmetry. Knives sliced a small cathedral in the lemon. The concealed apse opened, revealed acid-stained glass, drops oozed, topaz, altars, cool architecture. So, when you hold the hemisphere of a cut lemon above your plate, you spill a universe of gold, a yellow goblet of miracles. And here's his language, a fragrant nipple of the earth's breast, a ray of light that was made fruit, the minute fire of the planet. So he's writing over and over again about the juiciness, really the holiness, the miracle of a lemon. And in the same way, he writes an ode to tomatoes, which are even juicier. The street filled with tomatoes, midday summer light is half like a tomato. Its juice runs through the streets. In December, abated, the tomato invades the kitchen. It enters at lunchtime. It takes its ease on countertops, among glasses, butter dishes, blue salt cellars. It sheds its own light benign majesty. Unfortunately, we must murder it. The knife sinks into living flesh, red viscera, a cool sun, profound, inexhaustible, populates the salads of Chile. Happily, it is wed to the clear onion, and to celebrate the union, we pour oil, essential child of the olive, Onto its halved hemispheres, pepper adds its fragrance, salt its magnetism. It is the wedding of the day. Parsley hoists its flag. Potatoes bubble vigorously. The aroma of the roast knocks at the door. It's time. Come on and on. The table at the midpoint of summer, the tomato star of earth, Recurrent and fertile star displays its convolutions, its canals, its remarkable amplitude and abundance. No pit, no husk, no leaves or thorns. The tomato offers its gift of fiery color and cool completeness. Pablo Neruda makes poetry, makes may blossom, makes juice, makes happiness out of the most ordinary parts of our own day, a tomato, a lemon. And this love he has of living and life in the moment is extended toward everything, including, of course, the person he loves. 
I crave your mouth, your voice, your hair. Silent and starving, I prowl through the streets. Bread does not nourish me. Dawn disrupts me. All day, I hunt for the liquid measure of your steps. I hunger for your sleek laugh, your hands the color of a savage harvest. Hunger for the pale stones of your fingernails. I want to eat your skin like a whole almond. I want to eat the sunbeam flaring in your lovely body, the sovereign nose of your arrogant face. I want to eat the fleeting shade of your lashes, and I pace around hungry, sniffing the twilight, hunting for you, for your hot heart, like a puma in the barrens of Quitratu. This was translated by Stephen Tapscott. Now the poet, whose juice and moxie and moho inspired Neruda and so many others, Congress would be a snap for him, if not also a nap, is Walt Whitman. Who has more juice than this poet in Song of Myself? I celebrate myself and sing myself, and what I assume you shall assume, for every atom belonging to me as good belongs to you. I loaf and invite my soul. I lean and loaf at my ease, observing a spear of summer grass. My tongue, every atom of my blood, formed from this soil, this air. I, now 37 years old and perfect health begin, hoping not to cease until death. The atmosphere is not a perfume. It has no taste of the distillation. It is odorless. It is for my mouth forever. I am in love with it. I will go to the bank by the wood and become undisguised and naked. I am mad for it to be in contact with me. The smoke of my own breath echoes, ripples, buzzed, whispers, Love root, silk thread, crotch, and vine, my respiration and inspiration, the beating of my heart, the passing of blood and air through my lungs, the sniff of green leaves and dry leaves, and of the shore and dark-colored sea rocks, and of hay in the barn, the sound of the belched words of my voice loosed to the eddies of the wind, a few light kisses, a few embraces, a reaching round of arms, the play of shine and shade on the trees as the supple boughs wag, the delight alone or in the rush of streets or along the fields and hillsides, the feeling of health, the full noon trill, the song of me rising from bed and meeting the sun. Have you reckoned a thousand acres much? Have you reckoned the earth much? Have you practiced so long to learn to read? Have you felt so proud to get at the meaning of poems? Stop this day and night with me, and you shall possess the origin of all poems. You shall possess the good of the earth and sun. There are millions of suns left. You shall no longer take things at second or third hand, or look through the eyes of the dead, or feed on the specters and books. You shall not look through my eyes either, nor take things from me. You shall listen to all sides and filter them from yourself. 
Walt Whitman. Woo! Whoa, Nelly, is this juice? Has he got the juice? I'm just saying, I'm dripping just reading it. He has so much joy and juice in him that he extends to us, reader of this poem, and we hear his feisty defiance, his core strength, weakened but ever strong. Hell yes, heavens, yes. He says, the spotted hawk swoops by and accuses me. He complains of my gab and my loitering. I, too, am not a bit tamed. I, too, am untranslatable. I sound my barbaric yop over the roofs of the world. The last scud of day holds back for me. It flings my likeness after the rest, and true as any on the shadowed wilds. It coaxes me to the vapor in the dusk. I depart as air. I shake my white locks at the runaway sun. I effuse my flesh in eddies and drift it in lacy jags. I bequeath myself to the dirt to grow from the grass I love. If you want me again, look for me under your boot soles. You will hardly know who I am or what I mean, but I shall be good health to you nevertheless. And filter and fiber your blood. Failing to fetch me at first, keep encouraged. Missing me one place, search another. I stop somewhere waiting for you. And that's us. Poetry Slowdown. Got no butler, got no maid. Still I think I've been overpaid. I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. She's got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. What is it about poetry that makes us look at the earth and ourselves with wonder and not taking what we see and what we feel for granted? but wanting to celebrate it and sing it and wonder at it and be excited and enthused. What makes for the happiness, as James Wright says, of writing the poem? Why does Walt Whitman say that this poem will be good health to us? What is it about somebody in ill health in darkness and in fear, taking up the pen and with words imagining how glorious, how great, how happy it is to live on a May day. Emily Dickinson, alone in her room, suffering so much. But is this not juice in her day. I can wade grief, whole pools of it. I'm used to that. But the least push of joy breaks up my feet, and I tip, drunken. Let no pebble smile, twas the new liquor, that was all. Power is only pain stranded through discipline till weights will hang 
Give balm to giants, and they'll wilt like men. Give Himalay, they'll carry him. Power is only pain, stranded through discipline. And that, for her, is writing the poetry and dealing with something that's even harder than pain. Joy. How do we rise to the occasion? And the feistiness of juice, of rising, this is Still I Rise by Maya Angelou. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room, just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tides, just like hopes springing high, still all rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard because I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard? You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise up from a past that's rooted in pain. I rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling. I bear in the tide, leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise into a daybreak that's wondrously clear. I rise, bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. Maya Angelou. And rising to the occasion, rising to the way that we are roused by Robert Herrick, saying, get up, get up, sweet slug of bed. And Maya Angelou's poem of this defiance, this dance of the spirit inside her, is echoing Nikki Giovanni's ego tripping. Another kind of take on Walt Whitman's song of myself, celebrating myself, I was born in the Congo. I walked to the Fertile Crescent and built the Sphinx. I designed a pyramid so tough that a star that only glows every 100 years falls into the center, giving divine perfect light. I am bad. I sat on the throne drinking nectar with Allah. I got hot and set an ice age to Europe to cool my thirst. My oldest daughter is Nefertiti. The tears from my birth pains created the Nile. I I'm a beautiful woman. I gazed on the forest and burned out the Sahara Desert. 
with a packet of goat's meat and a change of clothes. I crossed it in two hours. I am a gazelle so swift, so swift you can't catch me. For a birthday present when he was three, I gave my son Hannibal an elephant. He gave me Rome for Mother's Day. My strength flows ever on. My son Noah built new ark, and I stood proudly at the helm as we sailed on a soft summer day. I turned myself into myself and was Jesus. Men intone my loving name. All praises, all praises. I am the one who would save. I sowed diamonds in my backyard. My bowels deliver uranium. The filings from my fingernails are semi-precious jewels. On a trip north, I caught a cold and blew my nose, giving oil to the Arab world. I am so hip, even my errors are correct. I sailed west to reach east and had to round off the earth as I went. The hair from my head thinned in gold was laid across three continents. I am so perfect, so divine, so ethereal, so surreal. I cannot be comprehended except by my permission. I mean, I can fly like a bird in the sky. Nikki Giovanni. Henry David Thoreau concludes his book, Walden, which was an account of two years in Walden Woods by a pond land that was given to him by Ralph Waldo Emerson to live on and to reflect on. And at the end of his time in the Walden Woods, which he said, I went to the woods to live deliberately and not find at the end of my life I have not lived at all. And we think about what does it mean to live deliberately? What does it mean to leave our life, to enter woods, to figure out in a more deliberate, intentional, reflective way what it is about life. He says, I want to live it to the marrow. And he's all about getting the juice out of life. And this is how he concludes his book. The life in us is like the water in the river. It may rise this year higher than man has ever known it and flood the parched uplands. Even this may be the eventful year which will drown out all our muskrats. It was not always dry land where we dwell. I see far inland the banks which the stream anciently washed before science began to record its freshets. Everyone has heard the story which has gone the rounds of New England of a strong and beautiful bug which came out of the dry leaf of an old table of apple tree wood which had stood in a farmer's kitchen for 60 years, first in Connecticut, afterwards in Massachusetts, from an egg deposited in the living tree many years earlier still, as appeared by counting the annual layers beyond it, which was heard gnawing out for several weeks, hatched perchance by the heat of an urn. Who does not feel his faith in a resurrection and immortality, strengthened by the hearing of this? Who knows what beautiful and winged life whose egg has been buried for ages under many concentric layers of woodenness in the dead, dry life of society, deposited at first 
and the alburnum of the green and living tree, which had been gradually converted into the semblance of its well-seasoned tomb, heard perchance gnawing out for years by the astonished family of man as they sat round the festive board, may unexpectedly come forth from amid society's most trivial and hand-celled furniture to enjoy its perfect summer life at last. Such is the character of that morrow, which mere lapse of time can never make to dawn. The light which puts out our eyes is darkness to us. Only that day dawns to which we are awake. There is more day to dawn. The sun is but a morning star. And on that note, there is more radio show to come after our break on the poetry slowdown with me, your host, Professor Barbara Mossberg. Poetry slowdown. Do you have the juice? Of course you do. And our poets mix it up with Moho Moxie. And we are here for a juicy stew. I'm your professor, Barbara Vosberg. And we are the news in between the headline news. The news without which men die every day, says William Carlos Williams. We're hearing from poets on what is juice, how is juice, poems that are pulsing, sweet extracts of joy and resolve, essence of spirit, and the bard himself, Mr. Will Shakespeare, considers this question of himself as an aging man, no longer worthy of love, his withered being, no longer having any juice that his lover will desire. And he rouses himself, summons in himself through the sonnet form of three quatrains. Maybe he's been reading Robert Herrick posing the problem. And the two little lines at the end, the couplet, taking care of business, showing us what's what, after all, not to worry, he's still got it, just in case you were wondering. Let's hear this faux pity party where he compares himself to the opposite of a being with juice, a withered autumn tree, the birds flee, dying fires, embers, dying day. He says, That time of year thou mayest in me behold when yellow leaves or none or few do hang upon those boughs which shake against the cold. Bare, ruined choirs were late the sweet birds sang. In me thou seest the twilight of such day as after sunset fadeth in the west, which by and by black night doth take away death's second self that seals up all in rest. In me thou seest the glowing of such fire that on the ashes of his youth doth lie as the deathbed whereon it must expire, consumed with that which it was nourished by. This thou perceivest, which 
makes thy love more strong to love that will which thou must leave ere long. So Shakespeare, he's got the juice, the moxie, love me more. I'm that much more precious. Get it while you can, which Robert Herrick confirms when he says, gather ye rosebuds while ye may on this theme. Since it's May, we heard his advice on the juice of going amain. Sweet slugabed, get up. Why are you still in bed? Come, because we're not long for this world. So, while time serves and we are but decaying, come, my Corinna, come, let's go amain. Now, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. evoked juice as a power in him of love that vanquishes all other withering, destructive, wilting, diminishing forces. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. That was his answer to how could he go on giving everything that has happened to him, to his people, to humanity, and would happen to him and so many others fighting for civil rights. There is a defiance energy. We saw that with William Ernest Henley in his poem Invicta. And he says, My head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And that spirit of Henley we see in Maya Angelou, and we see in Nikki Giovanni, and we see in Walt Whitman. So whatever it is that we are suffering as human beings, there is this Spirit, there is this determination, there is this defiance, there is this glory and joy in love, in May, in growth, like Thoreau says, this belief that there is more day to dawn. It is this determined hopefulness. Even Alfred Lord Tennyson in his poem, Ulysses, come my friends, tis not too late to seek a newer world. Yes, we are old, right? but there is still more for us to do. As Whitman says, as Herrick says, even in these last days, months, years, it's too short. Push off and sitting well in order, smite the sounding furrows, for my purpose holds to sail beyond the sunset and the baths of all the western stars until I die. It may be that the gulfs will wash us down. It may be we shall touch the happy isles and see the great Achilles whom we knew. Though much is taken, much abides. And though we are not now that strength which in the old days moved earth and heaven, that which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts made weak by time and fate but strong in will 
to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. And I think of Walt Whitman and his instructions to us. This is what you shall do. You know, poetry slow down poets are very bossy. This is what you shall do. Love the earth and sun and the animals. Despise riches. Give alms to everyone that asks. Stand up for the stupid and crazy. Devote your income and labor to others. Hate tyrants. Argue not concerning God. Have patience and indulgence toward the people. Take off your hat to nothing known or unknown or to any man or number of men. Go freely with powerful, uneducated persons and with the young and with the mothers of families. Read these leaves in the open air every season of every year of your life. Re-examine all you have been told at school or church or in any book. Dismiss whatever insults your own soul, and your very flesh shall be a great poem, and have the richest fluency not only in its words, but in the silent lines of its lips and face and between the lashes of your eyes and in every motion and joint of your body. What, Whitman? That's the juice of you. Albert Goldfarth, the sciences sing a lullaby. Physics says, go to sleep. Of course you're tired. Every atom in you has been dancing the shimmy in silver, silver shoes nonstop from mitosis to now. Quit tapping your feet. They'll dance inside themselves without you go to sleep. Geology says it will be all right. Slow, inch by inch, America is giving itself to the ocean. Go to sleep. Let darkness lap at your sides. Give darkness an inch. You aren't alone. All of the continents used to be one body. You aren't alone. Go to sleep. Astronomy says, the sun will rise tomorrow. Zoology says, on rainbow fish and lithe gazelle. Psychology says, but first it has to be night. So, biology says, the body clocks are stopped all over town. And history says, here are the blankets, layer on layer, down on down. So, how should we go about living deliberately so we do not find, as Thoreau says at the end of our life, we have not lived at all, extracted this juice and this joy. So here is James Wright writing a poem, Northern Pike, which I am reading for my buddy. All right, try this then. Everybody I know and care for, and everybody else is going to die in a loneliness I can't imagine and a pain I don't know. We had to go on living. We untangled the net. We slit the body of this fish open from the hinge of the tail to a place beneath the chin I wish I could sing of. I would just as soon we let the living go on living an old poet whom we believe in said the same thing, and so we paused among the dark cattails and prayed for the muskrats, 
for the ripples below their tails, for the little movements that we knew the crawdads were making underwater, for the right-hand wrist of my cousin, who was a policeman. We prayed for the game warden's blindness. We prayed for the road home. We ate the fish. There must be something very beautiful in my body. I am so happy. James Wright. Timothy Sables finds joy in at the end of his arms, in his hands. Five-legged pocket spiders. So we're going to look at this, right? Look at your hands right now. And what do you think about them? When is the last time you really looked at them and beheld them and considered them? Okay, so while I'm reading this poem, look at your hands and wonder at them. Five-legged pocket spiders, knuckled starfish, grabbers of forks. Why do I forget that you love me? Your willingness to button my shirts, tie my shoes, even scratch my head which throbs like a traffic jam, each thought leaning on its horn. I see you waiting at any place, always at the ends of my arms, for the doctor, for the movie to begin, for freedom. So silent, such patience, testing the world with your bold myopia, faithful, ready to reach out at my softest suggestion, to fly up like two birds when I speak, Two brown thrashers brandishing verbs like twigs in your beaks, lifting my speech the way pepper springs the tongue from slumber. Oh, if only they knew the unrestrained innocence of your attentions, each finger a cappella, singing a song that rings like rain before it falls that never falls. Such harmony, the bass thumb, the pinky soprano, the three tenors in between, kind, Quintet times two, rowing my heart like a little boat upon whose wooden seat I sit, strummed by sorrow. Or maybe I must read you completely, and you are dreaming a tangerine, one particular hot tamale, a fabulous banana, to peel suggestively, like thigh-high stockings, grinning as only hands can grin down the legs, caramel, cocoa, black bean, black, vanilla, such lubricious dimension, such public secrets, Women sailing the streets with God's breath at their backs. Think of it. No. Yes. Let my brain sweat. Make my veins whimper. Without you, my five-hearted fiends, my five-headed hydras, what of my mischievous history? The possibilities suddenly impossible. Feelings not felt. Rememberings unremembered. All the touches untouched the gallant strain of a pilfered ant, tiny muscles flexed with light, the gritty sidewalk slapped after a slip, the pulled weed, the plucked flower, a buttercup, held beneath Dawn's chin, the purest kiss, the caught grasshopper's kick, honey, chalk, charcoal, the solos teased from guitar. Once I played viola for a year and never stopped to thank you, my two angry sisters, my two hungry men, but you knew 
I just wanted to know what the strings would say concerning my soul, my whelming solipsism, this perpetual solstice where one plus one equals everything, and two hands teach a dwaddler the palpable alchemy of an unreasonable world. Tim Sables Ode to My Hands The sense of spirit we hear about in Rumi, Rumi, born in Afghanistan in the 1200s, chased by Genghis Khan over 2,000 miles, ending up in Turkey. Think of what he experienced and think of the juice that he extracts from life. The grapes of my body can only become wine after the winemaker tramples me. <clears throat> I surrender my spirit like grapes to his trampling so my inmost heart can blaze and dance with joy. Although the grapes go on weeping blood and sobbing, I cannot bear any more anguish, any more cruelty. The trampler stuffs cotton in his ears. I am not working in ignorance. You can deny me if you want. You have every excuse. But it is I who am master of this work. And when through my passion you reach perfection, you will never be done praising my name. The glow of the light of daybreak is in your emerald vault. The goblet of the blood of twilight is your blood-measuring bowl. Mile on mile, torrent on torrent, come dancing and gliding to the shore of your sea. With all the abstention and aspiration of the moon, the cat falls off the head of the moon when the moon raises its face to gaze upon your height Every morn the nightingales lament like the heart forlorn winds to the melodies of those attaining your verdant meadow. The spirits seek vision, the hearts all seek the beloved. You in whose broad orchard four streams are let flow, one stream pure water, another honey, the third fresh milk, the fourth your ruby wine. You never give me a chance. You are giving wine upon wine. Where is the head that I may describe the drinking cup of your wine? Yet, who am I? And the heart says, I am his reed pipe. I wail as the breath in me. I said, be lamenting now the slave of whose passion is the soul. <sighs> Rumi. Until the juice ferments a while in the cask, it isn't wine. If you wish your heart to be bright, you must do a little work. Hmm. These are words by people around the world. These are people over time really considering what is the juice in us of our bodies, of our minds, of our souls, of our spirits. How can we look on this world with our hands, what our hands touch, what our eyes see, and how can we get the juice of it, the essence? 
that's what our poetry slowed down, is considering Kabir, a century after Rumi. All we have to do is read him for this juice. He says, I caught the happy virus last night when I was out singing beneath the stars. It is remarkably contagious, so kiss me. And here is Grace Paley, her reflection on juice, if you asked her, as she sits in her chair, an aging woman. Good luck. No, she's mellow in a juicy kind of way. She says, Here I am in the garden laughing, an old woman with sagging breasts and a nicely mapped face. How did this happen? Well, that's what I wanted to be. At last, a woman in the old style, sitting stout thighs apart under a big skirt, grandchild sliding on off my lap, a pleasant summer perspiration. That's my old man across the yard. He's talking to the meter reader. He's telling him the world's sad story, how electricity is oil or uranium and so forth. I tell my grandson, run over to your grandpa. Ask him to sit beside me for a minute. I am suddenly exhausted by my desire to kiss his sweet, explaining lips. Juicy? Oh, yes, you have the juice, Miss Paley. And Alicia Ostriker, whom we love to walk with along the city streets, hearing the trombones of the traffic and cello horns amid the trash heaps, she writes us, The blessing of the old woman the tulip, and the dog to be blessed. Said the old woman, is to live and work so hard God's love washes right through you like milk through a cow. To be blessed, said the dark red tulip, is to knock their eyes out with the slub of lust implied by, by your up-ended skirt. To be blessed, said the dog, is to have a pinch of God inside you, inside you, and all the other dogs can smell it. And even... The humdrum chore of dusting, dust, that most inconsequential, pesty, pesky matter of the universe. Dusting, Marilyn Nelson. Thank you for these tiny particles of ocean salt, pearl necklace viruses, winged protozoans, for the infinite, intricate shapes of submicroscopic living things, for algae spores and fungus spores bonded by viral mutual genetic cooperation, spreading their inseparable lives from equator to pole, my hand, my arm, making sweeping circles. Dust climbs the ladder of light for this infernal, endless chore, for these eternal seeds of rain. Thank you for dust. Well, that's a way to get juice out of life, being thankful for dust. This is our poetry slowdown. We're hearing it for poetry. So poetry slowdown. What do our oldest writing poets say about the juice that's there 
Ruth Stone, <laughs> writing in her late 90s, The Question. While needles of the evergreen practice a windy chaos, heads of snarled hair, something in the tree longs for old age, bald brown knobs of skull without setterfuge, but it continues with its greedy, resinous sexual odors, the odors rise against one another, spurting away from the scaly bark. Along its fingers, the tree holds out microscopic traps, popping bullets of sunlight crack into the subliminal orifice, and the tree thinks, how exquisite is this love? Ruth Stone, a juicy poet, seeing the juice in tree life. And on that note, Mark Strand, Poet Laureate, imagines being in a library. Ink runs from the corners of my mouth. There is no happiness like mine. I have been eating poetry. Well, as the former Poet Laureate at the Library of Congress, what a fitting way to talk about happiness for the literal mind juice he finds in books, finding himself on the floor panting and salivating and dripping with the juice of poetry, happiness, and how this can save your life and your countries and worlds. So all of this is a matter of joy and juice and doing justice to whatever there is in this life and in consciousness now. As Rumi says, love has taken away my practices and filled me with poetry. I tried to keep quietly repeating no strength but yours, but I couldn't. I had to clap and sing. I used to be respectable and chaste and stable, but who can stand in this strong wind and remember those things? A mountain keeps an echo deep inside itself. That's how I hold your voice. I am scrap wood thrown in your fire and quickly reduced to smoke. I saw you and became empty, the emptiness more beautiful than existence. It obliterates existence, and yet when it comes, existence thrives and creates more existence. The sky is blue. The world is a blind man squatting on the road. But whoever sees your emptiness sees beyond blue and beyond the blind. Man. Well, writing poetry is a way, in a way, is a juicer of the spirit. When Rumi says, we're groggy, but let the guilt go. Feel the motions of tenderness around you, the buoyancy. Well, how do we invoke the juice within the inner juice we may not even know we had until we engage our spirit gears that ecstatic wriggling of the mind we call writing, wrestle with language for how to say, what does this mean? Listening to the voice within on the subject of whether we are wilting, fading, whether we no longer have the moho, the moxie. And one of the things that I uh, we'll share with you as a conclusion uh, to our um, shoe today was something that I wrote maybe 40 years ago. 
as a graduate student doing work on Emily Dickinson at Harvard's Houghton Library, I was at the Peabody Museum of Natural History for a break, and it was hot outside, and perhaps museums are tiring physically, and yet it was also the nature of the beast. This museum was chock full of, well, the message, the news was that you're going to die. Not just you, me too, all of us. We're all going to freaking die. I mean, figure it out. Skeletons, pretty obvious. Skins. I don't have to tell you the message of skins and artifacts. What they call the things you and I are using right now in our hands, our warm touch, the cup you're drinking from right now, maybe a beer, sherry, coffee, and when we're all memories that's left, that's an artifact that you're holding. Well, so I'm in this museum. It's story after story, literally, one floor above another, that kind of story, but one story of our mortal lot, and just exhausted and demoralized by this message, you will die. And imagine now a journalist sticks a microphone in my face and says, Dr. B, although at that time I was graduate student B, young wife B, have you got the juice to make it happen? Isn't that always the question? Well, I went into the stairwell, calling a timeout, a poetry slowdown, and imagined the museum itself was once a flying creature, a dinosaur who lived, who flew, now grounded as a museum, pterodactyl. And I wrote this, Bones and Flesh, the Peabody Museum of Natural History. In the dinosaur's voice, I think, the pterodactyl. Clutter brings me down, grounded with mementos, fauna, antiques, stuffed buffalo, mangy remnants of the Ice Age, baskets, thousands of years of brown triangles. You know it was some lady's time. Oh, her time. This is women's story, and it rends me to the ground. Pterodactyl, pastured, died, not, but all through. Tethered, classified, bound in concrete, a city block of beam bones. Ivy feathers barely cover plaster-veined brick flesh. Shutter wings once it flew. And we move on. On the ice, in stifling cliffs, confining plains. From continent to continent, in canoes, on sailboats, on rafts, on, on. We track the way we've come, 500 years, and we ascend the stairs, winding and winding, always to meet the same eyes of the hunter, skins of the hunted, after the rotting, all that remains. This is how it goes, I guess. In the stairwell where I fled, the walls are soiled, above the handrails, bannistered, oiled by grasping palms, 
stairwell smell of sweating feet. Two boys cuff each other on the landing. A lady gasps and presses her palm to her chest. When was life fresh? I deny a history of skeletons. I don't have bones. No relic that says, if you live, you die. There are artifacts, but I own a private evolution. Natural history does not include my plans to fly. This is my time now, my baskets, my mysterious flesh. So that, that is my way of juice. And much later, maybe 35 years later, I wrote, you tell me your hair story and I'll tell you mine. One day when I was 64, I went down the street on foot at a limp, but wearing my stretchy black dress, days of yore, it was shorter now, came only halfway down my thighs, way above my throbby, bulgy, bulbous knee. It is sleeveless, yes, with my arms, orangutan, hanging, dangling, flesh clumps, and was going to do something about my hair. My hair, wild and no longer combable, tangled and fierce. My students say to me, Dr. B, I don't mean this wrong, but you are looking like a female Einstein. And the truth is my hair was very much like E equals MC squared, totally incompatible states of being on one scalp, as if you saw my head from space, continents covered with a cloud, breaks in it so you see the Sahara, grassy savannas bordering dark forests. From a helicopter you see zebras running in a herd, elephants wallowing in a mud hole, lions in the golden grasses, red fox an orange morning sun, white owl in moonlight, the geography of a bird's neck, of a toad's forehead. To the salon lady, I said, please help me make it coherent, but keep the gray at my temples. And two hours later, I am Newtonian, not natural, but regular, say me, walking down the street, and my limp is now a lope, a gait. I am an antelope on my way, my sure way along the river. I am springing and sleek, camouflaged as the wild are. So sweet buoyancy listener, there's my juice and some sense of wildness that poetry helps find. And here is to the juice in you and our poet's replies to the question, do you still have the juice? As long as we are thinking, we have the juice, O oh reporter, O oh worried and skeptical ones. Think of Churchill, who, enduring the black dog of depression, criticized and ostracized, repeats his mantra, never, 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 and just for good measure, he adds another, never give up. That's juice galore. That's juice enough. That's poetry when we slow down. Thank you, dear community of radio, on this day. Let's quote that ultimate man of juice, Mr. Walt Whitman. Happiness, not in another place, but this place. Not for another hour, but this hour. This is our time now. Our baskets, our mysterious flesh. This is our poetry slowdown produced by Zappa Johns. 
and I'm your professor, Barbara Mossberg, and it's May. Let's go a Maine! Dappled and drowsy and ready to sleep Let the morning time drop all its petals on me Life, I love you, all is groovy Bye.